0: This is efficiency on demand. On demand. High performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness. Craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is efficiency on demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique.
1: Welcome back to Efficiency On Demand, everyone. Today, I have a really, really crazy story for you. And I'm really happy that I was connected with our today's guest. And I'm gonna hope to pronounce his name correctly. You should be already knowing that I'm trying my best. I say this with almost every of my guests, but it's just because I have the most... Awesome guests on the show from all over the world. And so his name is Mohammed Garbier. He's not. In so, so <laughs> And so he's in construction, but the, his story is just crazy. So we're going to dive deep for you into it. But let me welcome him to the show first. Hi, Mohammed. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having time for us coming on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's awesome.
1: Thanks. So tell us a little bit first who you are, where you're from, what you're doing, all the run up.
2: Yeah, my name is Mohammed Garbia. I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and working, I've been working my whole, almost my whole life. I mean, when I was a baby, my mom was uh, doing the accounting for our business. So even as a baby, I was around and then, When I maybe got to 10 years old, I would work in the summers on the service side of the business, you know, fixing people's air conditioning. And then when I turned 15, I semi kind of started in the office, got around doing some accounting and then got a good scholarship to go to college and got two bachelors and a masters. And then, you know, even when I was at school, I was still working full time. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I was working Uh, with the company full time for a long time. And and we were, you know, so I, I started, even when I was in college, I started college in 2007, but when I graduated in 2011, working full time, you know, even putting in 60 hours a week on a regular basis, it wasn't anything special. But up until 2017, you know, we were a decent company. We were doing a million to a million and a half for 10 plus years. And I was like, Dad, we just, you know, it's my my parents, my dad started the company, another uncle joined him one year later, another uncle joined him one year later. And so it's a family owned and operated business. And then in twenty seventeen, I was just like, you know, we gotta we gotta move. We gotta get going. We gotta push forward. And so surprisingly, somehow, some way, I just like turned on the lights and in twenty seventeen we went from say a million to a million and a half to five million dollars, just like that. And we're primarily in in new construction and commercial remodel. I mean, we get bid invitations from general contractors and we give them, you know, try to give them good, decent numbers and we try to get as much work as we can. And thank God we've been successful doing it.
1: Wow. Amazing. All right. So let's go a little bit back. Let's talk a little bit how this family business works, because maybe not everyone can imagine working with their family. I certainly cannot. <laughs> so, walk me through a little bit how it is like working with your dad, with your uncles, with your mom as well. And maybe the mindset a little bit behind it like, you know, how you approach communication issues. Are there even communication issues? Cuz
2: I would No, I mean, fortunately enough, we all work together as a team. We all appreciate everybody's efforts and everybody does work their butt off. I mean, it's it's literally we're all we're, so we're not making millions of dollars, but we're we're trying to do what we can to survive in life and, and be as successful as we can. And it takes effort from everybody around, you know, the whole team. I mean, we treat our employees, even if they're not family, we treat them like family. You know, we, we give them bonuses on a regular basis. We have brought people from in five years from paying them. You know, this was, say, six years ago we brought people from paying them 12 dollars an hour to 5 years later they're making 30 dollars an hour and getting wow. you know a 1000 dollars a month for their vehicle so you go from say making 25 to 30 grand a year to within 5 years making 80 to 90 grand a year that's a big bounce i mean yeah. and so we we reward people who do good work and who provide good quality i mean the name of our business is quality one energy systems quality is the number one aspect of our business to provide the best service possible for every customer whether we're going to a house to fix their air conditioning or whether we're doing a big million dollar construction you know air conditioning project regardless we want to always do the best work out there.
1: I love that. Do you think it's a little bit of a cultural aspect that maybe your family business operates different than traditional American families?
2: I'm not 100% sure about that. I mean I know a lot of companies that are successful. I, I don't know how many are family companies but a lot of companies are successful because they do treat people fairly. Mm. I think that, that notion is across the board. I mean, you have to take care of anybody who takes care of you. You know, Somebody's working hard and passionate and caring about the company and making sure the company is successful. You need to appreciate them for everything that they do, whether they're family or they're not family. And you Absolutely. treat everybody as if you know we're one group and we're all working together and we're all going to appreciate anybody who does quality work.
1: Absolutely. So, just for the record, we're recording that on April 7. So, how does it look like in times like this? We're still going through this absolute, may I say, shit show of this pandemic. <laughs> so, how does it look like right now for you and your business to take care of all of your employees, your family, even though you may not have the most thriving business? I'm not sure about that.
2: No, definitely. I mean, so much of our construction progress that we've had millions of dollars contracted on already from the beginning of the year, but stuff is just put on hold. So, I mean, we're trying to continue to grow the service and maintenance and replacement business to keep our guys busy. Even if we're not working them the full time, we're still paying them as if it was. We don't want to, you know, I mean, even somebody making $20 an hour. Is barely paying his uh, his rent or barely paying his expenses. I mean, if you cut them off, it will really put them in a difficult situation. And even though I mean, it, it's it's semi simple to file for workman's compensation mm-hmm. for for unemployment, you know, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, there's millions and millions of people in America applying for that, and it's almost very very difficult to even get in online on the site. That's how tough it is. So, well, we don't want anybody to go through that situation. We want to take care of people as much as we can. And we really put the effort, even though, you know, technically it might be hurting us as a company because we're straining our cash flow, but we want to take care of people as long as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think. That's really something that shows right now, especially who is a leader and who's not in this uh, situation. We've seen this wannabe gurus out there who just fired 80% of their team without like...
2: Oh, there are huge companies who have done that left and right. Yeah,
1: Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, what do you think about wannabe gurus like this? Do you think they have a good reason to do that, or do you think they are just trying to hold on to their money?
2: I definitely think it's about holding on to their money. I mean, obviously, uh, you want to try to make make sure you're testing as much as possible. If you see a situation that comes up, you want to take care of it. I mean, anybody could have it, and they won't know about it. That's semi the scary part about it. But I mean, if anybody shows any signs of it, you you would prefer to have them rest at home for a couple of weeks. You can still compensate them. It's not the end of the world to pay one person yeah. or whatever. I mean, you just hope that you don't get the situation out of hand where you have hundreds and hundreds of people getting in the same situation. But I mean, you can keep your spacing. You can have them work six to 10 feet away from each other. They don't have to be back to back. Yeah. But I think overall you can take care of that situation and just make sure everybody stays safe. I mean, there's, there's liquor companies now that are producing hand sanitizer. It's it's amazing how much people are, uh, care about other people. I mean, I literally was at a job site the other day and somebody was telling me, oh yeah, one of our best customers, instead of they stopped making alcohol and are now making hand sanitizer and distributing it to hotels for free. I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, that shows that they care. And, and you do need as many people that can care about even somebody who might be less fortunate than you, it doesn't matter. You have to take care of everybody around the board.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And especially the ones who are so privileged working online already and don't have to be out necessarily or can move their teams remotely. I think they actually have the responsibility to take care of their teams as well and be able to or like to from promote responsibility in this world so to just fire big teams like this wasn't a good sign for me to be honest like so tell me a little bit about the time when you had this really crazy accident and what happened there
2: yeah so this was just over two years ago march 8th of 2018 it's a normal day generally i get to the office between 6 six thirty my employees start rolling in around seven and then going out to job sites and whatnot. But my uncle was there at the office and we had, uh, something stored in the warehouse, which is in the second building out of three buildings that we own. But our office is in the first building and I was explaining to him what it was and he didn't know what it was and I had to go show him. So he has a two passenger fan has, you know, a warehouse in the back of the van and somebody was sitting in the passenger seat. So I hopped on the back step of the van and grabbed the ladder rack, which I've done hundreds of times before, but somehow, some way he's driving five miles an hour, nothing fast, nothing crazy, but I fall and I hit my head on the concrete. And then, you know, an ambulance takes me to the hospital. Within a month and a half, I have three brain surgeries. I mean, not three, eight brain surgeries, three doctors. Said I was gone and my parents and my family just kept telling everybody just pray for the best if if he comes back and he's You know, he's good, you know We appreciate god a trillion times for it and it's the best blessing in the world And if he goes he goes, you know What it is what it is whatever happens happens and somehow some way. I mean I have no memory For six months, so no memory of the accident no memory up to six months later and somehow some way, you know within nine months, I was semi back and and doing everything I can.
1: This is crazy. I mean, you have no memory of that, but then somehow you're just like, I'm back. Kind of like a Terminator.
2: (laughs) I don't know if I'm a Terminator, but I appreciate God a trillion times for everything that's happened. I mean, the accident was not the greatest. It was something that, I can't imagine it ever happening again or ever happening in the first place. But I mean, it is what it is. God, it was planned by God and God also planned to bring me back. So I appreciate, you know, him and everybody that prayed for me, my wife, especially. Um, they tell me there were three to 400 people a night at the hospital to come see me. And I cannot believe that. But I mean, we do have a lot of family, friends and a lot of friends and and. That we're very big in the community. I mean, it's just you can say <laughs> whatever you want, honey. <laughs> but but I mean, it's it's the biggest blessing in the world to, for me to even think about having three to four hundred people. They would have dinner and tea and play card games. I mean, they would they would you know try to keep themselves entertained, but still pray for me at the same time, yeah. which is the biggest blessing in the world. I mean, I can't imagine you know that situation. Wow. But it's it's amazing.
1: I mean I just wanna say how much I believe in what you focus on expands. So I wanna save like three or four hundred people sitting there and be like, you know, whatever's gonna happen, happen, but he'll be back. And I'm sure they can kind of, they they always had this hope and faith in God to bring you back. Like I just can feel the energy like of this whole community. And slowly but surely, you'd just be like, all right, I'm taking my time, but I'll be back.
2: Again, it's- yeah, I have no memory of the situation, no idea of anything that was going on around me, but it is the biggest blessing for, I mean, wow. whether there's one person or whether there's a million people, yeah. I'm sure there were thousands around the world potentially praying for me, but yeah. it's the biggest blessing in the world to have that many people who care about me, how I had that effect on so many people to actually right. pray for me. Right. And I mean, whether it's through social media or through praying to God directly, just they can be at their house and pray to God that I get better. You know, anything can happen. And I appreciate anybody who even thought about me to care about me that much and pray for me. It's just the biggest blessing in the world.
1: Wow. So what do you think was the biggest lesson afterwards? that you would take from that experience or the experience that you didn't have, but you know, you kind of went through.
2: Well, regardless, I mean, from the situation itself, this has always been, you know, before even quality is in our name, but before that even comes into play, safety is the number one factor in everything that we do at work. You know, I find it very different that I got hurt in that kind of situation when the car is moving five miles an hour, but you never know anything can happen. And Mm -hmm. so we take it to the point of even if you step on one step of a ladder, just be careful. And I mean, it comes to be lifting something that's 15 pounds. If it falls on your toe, you could break your toe. You never know what can happen. I mean, safety is the number one priority for us. Even above quality is the qualities in our name. Safety is number one, but also appreciate anybody and everybody. I mean, for everybody who prayed for me, everybody who asked God to make me okay, or, or whatever the conclusion was that happened, I, I have people who, who I don't even know who tell me, man, I came to the hospital to see you because so many people cared about you, and I cared about you at the same time. And it is it's it is the biggest blessing in the world. You appreciate anybody who does anything that's nice to you. I thank people everywhere I go, no matter what the situation is. If you do something nice to me, I'm going to say thank you. It's something as simple as that. I mean, anytime anybody does anything good for you, always appreciate them and, and, and thank them. They could be doing it just naturally. You never mm-hmm. know. I mean, whatever the situation may be, and you always try to keep yourself around the best people at the same time. You know, anybody who does good work, you know, do good work with them. It's always good to do anything. I mean, at the same time, you know, anytime I can do anything for nonprofit organizations, I'm all down for it. I mean, I would I love to do it and it's something I did before I got hurt and it's something that I'm back to doing after I got hurt. It's just a really good appreciation to show that you appreciate people for not even doing anything for you, just because you want to do good to other people, it's a nice thing to do, and it's it's a great feeling.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. What do you think? What was it that impact that others so much that they would come to you for so long, so often, or maybe from far away? Who knows? Like, what do you think was it before? I mean,
2: I was, I was a young kid who worked really, really hard and, and tried to make the best for myself and my family. I mean, uh, there would be times where I was working full time 40 to 60 hours a week where I was making $10,000 a year, you know, just because I cared about my family and my dad and my uncles and everybody for being successful. I never, ever thought about myself. You know, I was always a caring person for anybody and everybody around me. Anytime I had money, I would donate it to whatever good causes there were out there. I mean, I was always, you know, a nice person to everybody that I knew and and I cared about. And and there was nobody that I met that I wasn't ever nice to. I don't have any bad friends from high school, middle school. Uh, There's nobody that I wasn't close with that I appreciated everything that they did. And even in my times in college, I went to a party school, but I was working full time and I never went to one damn party. I mean, it's just the type of life that I lived my whole life has just always been, you know, on the straight path and always doing the best thing out there um, for myself and for others around me.
1: Yeah. So how did your wife help you after the accident when you had to recover to get through all of that, whether it was like mentally, physically, at home?
2: Yeah, this is like one of the toughest subjects in my life. It's really difficult because my wife, we found out a couple weeks before I got hurt that my wife was pregnant with our second baby. And so she was going through pregnancy and going through me being her first doctor's appointment to see the doctor was a day after my accident. Um, so it just, the situation did not put her in a good place, but she constantly prayed for me. She prayed for me night and day and she would beg God to get me better and and she cared about me so much i mean i don't know if i was the greatest person to her from <laughs> <the greatest> person. <laughs> but 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 regardless i mean i always have cared so much for her it's been our five-year uh anniversary was december 28th so it hasn't been it's been about three four three and a half months but you know i appreciate every single thing that she does she's an amazing person she's a really really damn good cooker
3: she oh. bakes,
2: right she has a blog called catastrophic cook that oh. has like thirteen thousand followers on instagram c-a-t-a-s-t-r-o-p-h-i-c cook it's really really good she bakes a lot of stuff on there she posts stories on a daily basis she cares about anything and everything and she she cares about people she helps people i mean she's on a neighbor's app where You know, some old lady down the street said she only eats fish and there wasn't any fish at the store. We had extra fish. She had her come pick up fish. I mean, she really cares about anybody and everybody out there. She's really, really nice. But when I got hurt, I mean, I could only imagine how far down she went because she loved me with her entire life. And I was, you know, her love and her everything. And I was semi gone. And so I, I appreciate her a trillion times, and I, I hug her every day. I kiss her every day. I appreciate everything she's ever done for me. She's been a big blessing for me, and for my family. I mean, and and even her family who live in Denver, Colorado, we're in Dallas, Texas, but they came and visited visited us multiple times. And I mean, obviously. Yeah, she says we wouldn't have gotten through it without family and I mean from her family everybody and my family. Could.
0: Everybody took everybody.
3: On. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has no memory of it, but yeah, recovery was brutal. Yeah, months learning how to walk and and talk and he didn't know how to talk for a very long time. His voice wouldn't come out and a lot of therapy and we had a 2-year-old and we constantly had people to babysit her. We constantly had people cooking for us. His, we were actually living with his family at the time of his accident, and they li- They moved in with us when he was recovering. But um, by the time he, I had the baby, he was somewhat recovered. I want to say, but a but lot I of the normal, like no. even
2: when she had the baby, I slept in a hospital bed right next lane. to her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he had I mean, just
3: had a seizure two weeks before that, but. We had a lot of family support. I mean, yeah. his parents and his siblings and my family and my siblings, I mean, 24-7, he was never at the hospital alone. Somebody always slept with him in every hospital, every rehab facility. He never attended a rehab session at physical therapy or occupational without somebody with
1: him. That I mean, is insane. Had, like, in a immense,
2: good way. Support. No, the rehab and, was a great process. I mean I and learned he had so amazing much. therapists. I went from not even talking to one day he I made food talk. for everybody there, like just on my own. And uh, he had amazing
3: therapists, amazing yeah. nurses, amazing therapists. I mean every every single person. It's uh, a big
2: blush.
1: Yeah. What's your wife's name?
2: Her name is Noor, N U R. Noah. Yes, you got it.
1: Noah, tell me a little bit about your mindset throughout the time, if you don't mind me telling you about it. What kept you going throughout the time? Because I can imagine it was not the easiest to push through. So, we're Muslim and we have a lot of faith
3: that whatever happens is what's written for us already. So, Mm That whatever trials that you go through in life, it's because God knows that you can handle them, and the best thing that you can do is accept them and know that they ha- they're happening to you for the best reasons.
2: Whether it's a good or a bad thing, if somebody passes away, there's you know, you know
3: there's always something. It happens for a reason,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and so we've had like we have really strong faith, but. You go through something like that. And that's a big part of our faith too, is we don't question these things. We don't question why did this happen or, or how did this happen to me or why? We don't do that at all. And so when initially it happened, I think it was just a big shock, kind of in denial about the whole thing. I'm not gonna lie, I completely shut everybody out in the beginning. It was, I just couldn't, couldn't wrap my mind around it because he looked so normal, but he wasn't there. Um, and that was when he was still in a coma, when he started to kind of wake up and stuff, you expect it to be like what you see in a movie.
2: Mm-hmm. In, like turn yeah, you the expect them, the you know, case. to wake
3: up and, and talk or, or he didn't know anybody, couldn't talk, couldn't really, I mean, didn't make eye contact with anybody, nothing like that. I mean, even our daughter didn't see him for two months almost mm. because we were scared of the reaction just a completely different experience. And for a long time, it was just, I mean, it was just hard in the beginning where it was a struggle to kind of get through the day. And I think that being pregnant at that time was one of the best things that happened to me. It forced me to have to take care of myself. If I had not been pregnant, I don't think I would have pushed myself to take care of myself as much as I did So being pregnant really, really, really helped. And the amount of support that we had, I mean, I slept in the room next to his sister's room at his parents' house, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and just cry. And she would come over there and she would comfort me, and then she'd go back to bed. And then on other nights, she'd be the one crying, and I would have to comfort her. So we all kind of just comforted each other through it. And my mom flew in and stayed for a long time, my family from Denver, there was always somebody here. So we have, I mean, like I said, we have a lot of, we had a lot of support and you, at some point it becomes a new normal. So you kind of just get through the day. And, and then the biggest thing was we stopped comparing him to where he was.
1: Mm -hmm. So it
3: just became, forget who he was. This is the reality that you're living right now. And we were always just so thankful and appreciative for every small step. So he would toss a foam ball and we realized, oh, he has hand-eye coordination. Oh my God, the whole world had to know about the fact that he still had hand-eye coordination. And I think at some point the doctors thought we were crazy. <laughs> I love it. I they thought that, you know, yeah, you guys have your faith and yeah, and, and you're going to pray for him, but he's not coming back from this. And if he does, it's not, he's not going to be even semi-normal. I remember one time when we asked the doctor, what kind of quality of life can we expect for him? And he said, not a very good one. And so now when they see him, they're kind of just like, you know, whatever you were praying for, whoever you were praying for, it worked. His mom would, would look at the surgeon before he went in to surgery and she would tell him there's going to be an angel standing right next to you over your shoulder to take care of my son. And he would come out from surgery and they would have expectations that because of his injury, he was going to have more swelling or that it's going to take him longer to wake up, they would have bad expectations and he would come out and he would defeat all of it. And they'd be like, we don't know what you're doing, just don't stop doing it. So it, it, I mean, like I said, you hit a new normal and you kind of just, there's days that were really, really bad, especially after moving into our house, you kind of go from planning a life with somebody and having certain expectations especially like building a house and moving into this house and knowing, Oh, we were going to do this or we were going to do that or, and having to pick things by myself. And you just, it just kind of really messes with your head after a while because you're appreciative for what, for where he's come and what he's accomplished, but it still makes you feel so bad. And more than anything, I would feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I don't want his life to be like this. He's yeah. someone that you know, loves to see friends and loves to go out and loves to, play sports and he's in a wheelchair or he can't do this. And he would, we would keep looking at pictures of like the past and stuff to kind of jog his memory. And I remember one time he looked at one of the pictures and he says, that's not me anymore. That'll never be me again. So, I mean, like I said, you, you adjust, but the biggest thing was just constantly appreciating every little thing that happened and just constantly thinking God for it. We would, and this was something that one of our, leaders religious leaders told us they kept telling us that if you pray for something you have to pray with the faith that knowing that god is going to answer your prayer you have to in your heart 100 percent know that god hears you and he's going to answer your prayer and it makes the biggest difference and it, it gave us a big peace of mind to kind of be able to do that and just trust that no matter we could do everything that we wanted to do at the end of the day god had a plan for him
1: And he certainly did.
3: Yeah, he did. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think that
3: I tell him what happened to us, I mean, was meant to happen for the best. Like you never know, maybe your guys' business was going to grow more and it was going to get in the way of our family or in the way of our marriage, or maybe something was going to change that, that didn't, you know, wasn't good for us. And even when he had his seat and I, and I started to believe that when he had his seizure, it was seven months after six months after his accident, he was actually starting to get close to get cleared for driving. And it was something that scared me so much. I just, I wasn't ready for that fear of letting him drive it. Even if I knew that they cleared him, I just wasn't ready for it. And he had his seizure and by law, you're not allowed to drive for 90 days. And so it put it off for him. And I just knew, okay, you know, the seizure was the worst possible thing. And it was traumatizing to watch. But it happened because it kept him from driving for another 90 days. Hmm. So I just start to, like I said, accept a new normal, stop comparing where you were and where you are. And you just grow such an appreciation for every little thing. I used to hate listening to the stupid sports announcers on TV. <laughs> My God, I would fall asleep to the TV after his accident just because I missed it so much. Yeah. Just the really stupid things, going mm-hmm. to get ice cream with our daughters, the really dumb things. Yeah. You just appreciate everything so much more.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Thank you so much for sharing this. Anytime. <laughs> Mohamed, what do you think, when was the day that you realized, I'm back to the world, maybe not the way that I was before, but I can certainly get back up and uh, get going?
2: The day of when it happened, I do not remember um, of, of when it was or what it was. But I mean, I, I guess I slowly, you know, pick things up little by little. And I'm still, you know, in the learning process and trying to get the best, be the best person, have the best, you know, become the healthiest person. I mean, I even like we say it all the time. I lost a filter that was in my head of like filtering what to say and what to do. And so I'm still trying to learn all of that stuff. I got into an eating habit where I would just eat nonstop Mm -hmm. and I ballooned my weight up way too much. And so now I'm in the workout process and trying to lose weight at the same time. I mean, you never know what could happen that changes your, the type of person you are. I mean, obviously being in surgery, being in a coma for that long, I don't remember anything. I don't remember maybe everything that I used to do in the past. It's just, you're trying to learn and remember what you used to do and remember how you used to do things and you know hopefully I have gotten to a lot healthier position. I'm not as big as I got after I had just kept eating, but it is you know a constant way of trying to improve. And yeah, as a normal person, you always want to improve every single day. You don't want to do the same thing wrong multiple times, yeah. not even twice. I mean, you always want to be the best person you can be. To people, to yourself, to your family, to anybody and everybody. Uh, That's a message for everybody is just always appreciate who you are, appreciate what you can do to help other people. Uh, I mean, that's to me in life, helping anybody and everybody is very, very important. Yeah. Even if you're thinking about yourself, it will make you feel better Mm -hmm. when you can help somebody. And it's not, doesn't take rocket science to help somebody. You know, you can see a lady... Dragging a cart, an old lady from the grocery store. It's not the end of the world to go help her put her bags into the car, or something like as simple as that. It's not. It's not hard.
1: That's true. I love that. And maybe your photos are removed, so you can filter more people out with your new unfiltered version. You know, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, what do you think? What are like, do you even make any plans for the future? What do you think are your next steps that you want to achieve for your family and for your business and for yourself, just in general?
2: I mean, obviously, continuing to try to, it doesn't necessarily mean growing the business as becoming a more revenue company. You want to just be more efficient in everything that you do. I mean, yeah, it's always nice to grow. Your sales and and whatnot, you can hopefully potentially bring more money for the family. But you obviously want to take care of all your employees. You want to take care of everybody around you. I mean, for me, donating as much of my time to nonprofit organizations is a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't make a single dollar off of it, it's just something nice to do. And so you always want to do the best with every minute of every day. Just as much as I can, continue to try to learn. The business that i forgot so much about i mean it's i'm not gonna lie it's it's not coming back like like a missile you know just right back into my brain it takes time and patience and energy to learn everything that i did before i mean i i essentially ran the company before i got hurt you know i was doing anything and everything and i'm still not at that point hopefully one sometime in the future i can get back to that and you know my dad is 62 years old getting close to retirement age, you know hopefully I can let him let him go smoothly if I can get back to that point. But you know my other uncles are you know in their late 50s, they're not babies. Hopefully we can take some relief off them and and have them go take care of it. Some are kids, some are in college, but regardless, it's always good to have as much time as possible to spend with your family to care for your family. And, and, and around the board, I mean, just making sure everybody is happy with everything that they do in life. I, I constantly, you know, will even tell my kids to go do something for the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. Whatever you can do to help other people is massively, you know, maybe it's not the most important thing that will make a kid happy. But in the long term, they will feel that they have done good stuff for other people. And it's always something that's positive that can happen. And and you always try to push the best out of everybody. I mean, whether the situation is, whatever the situation is, you always look to push for the best in everything that you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And, you know, as the tale tells, the turtle wins the race, so slow you go. <laughs> yeah,
2: nothing, Nothing wrong with moving, you know, slow.
1: Yeah, I'm also really big into nonprofits here in Thailand. I work with my friend together for more than two and a half years, and she rescues elephants from abusive wow. um, places. Yeah, and right now, unfortunately, these elephants are one of the most vulnerable um, animals here in Thailand due to the situation, and um, because it takes a lot of money to feed elephants. They eat over 200 kilogram a day per elephant.
2: 200 kilograms yeah.
1: <laughs> and that costs quite some money so right now unfortunately a lot of our elephants there are starving um, not uh, not ours as in the ones um, with my friend only but all of the elephants in Thailand and all over Asia as well
2: and you said forest fires and fires and whatnot it's not a great situation for them
1: yeah we like you know it's actually really, really sad um, some of the elephants have been released from their camps if you want to say it in a nice way and they have to leave basically with their owners which are called mahouts so they're caretakers that basically grew up with their elephants and taking care of them for their whole lives and they have been sent home so now i mentioned that elephants sometimes have to walk thousands of kilometers home to their district where they come from with their caretakers and if they don't You know, at night, there's no lights, nothing in the jungle. So sometimes they're hit by a truck or they starve to death if they don't find enough food. So right now it's a really, really dangerous situation for them. And yeah, so I'm helping my friend to raise funds, but also she has an anti-trafficking organization Um, By providing education and job opportunities for minorities and refugees here in Thailand. And I just love working with her. Yeah. So, what are your favorite causes to put your time into?
2: I mean, for me, I'm a very religious person. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, religious organizations, which unfortunately, right now with the corona, even religious organizations are shut down churches, mosques, whatever the situation may be. You know, I went to a private Islamic school in Garland and right before I was on the injury, I was, I got injured. I was on the board there for three years wow. and it's just donating time going to weekly meetings to try to advance the school. I mean, at that point we probably had, when I went to school, I graduated with 19 people in my senior high school class. Wow. Now they're having 65 to
0: 70. Wow.
2: Um, they were at four or five hundred students when I was there. Now we're up to maybe a thousand. so it's it's continuously, you know, trying to improve the situation. I haven't had a chance to go back mm-hmm. and and be on the board. I'm on the the panel of the higher people for the whole organization, but I mean, hopefully I can go back there and get back to the weekly meetings. and it's I mean, it's it's not giving time to make money. It's giving time to help oh kids you know, provide people with the best benefit for their kids and to educate their kids in the best way. Absolutely. Even as simple as going to build houses on the weekend, you know, for for people who are, you know, on the, on the lower end of the spectrum.
1: Yeah. I mean, anything
2: that you can do can be a positive, anything that you can do to help anybody is always good. I mean, even, you know, on weekends we go to the little mini lake and we throw food for the fish and, and mm. for the birds and for whatnot. I mean, anything that you can do is nice is, is always good. Whether you're helping somebody or helping an animal or helping whatever the situation might be, you know, you try to help as many people as possible yeah. and it all works out. I mean, it's it's the biggest blessing. It's a blessing from God. It's a blessing from other people who appreciate what you do all the way around. It's It's a good time.
1: I love it. And make Even it back to now. for my
2: wife, which I do yeah. quite often. <laughs> you know, putting away the dishes. I mean, as a husband, you see yourself as a breadwinner, you know, making the money, but you can also help within the family and responsibilities, putting the kids to sleep, brushing your little daughter before she has to go to sleep. I mean, there's quite a bit of responsibility on the woman that we just kind of throw at them.
0: Oh my God,
2: yeah. All, <laughs> all the way around.
1: Amen to that. I got to say, so my dad is turning 60 years old in only 12 days. And I was supposed, yes, thank you. I was supposed to fly over to Germany
0: to celebrate him big.
1: It's not going to happen. And it's really, really sad. He had to cancel the whole celebration. It's, Very sad for him and for me, to be honest. It's like, I'm a daddy's girl. I'm an absolutely daddy's girl. (laughs) I'm like, one thing you don't know about me is, um, so my dad has this construction company. When he, he was first an auto mechanic, and so i literally grew up in his garage with him together as a, i remember i was a four-year-old watching him repairing cars he drove me around on his motorcycle on his little little scooter and now do you i'm know driving how to replace the oil sorry
2: do you know how to replace oil yes that's better than me
1: I <laughs> I also know how to change the the tires on the cars and yeah. on the motorcycles I also know how to build a house because we built one together for my sister
2: that's all. Awesome.
1: yeah so I I just love my dad to bits and pieces my mom too but I'm you know what it is like I'm the daddy's girl and my sister is the mama's girl so <laughs> she learned the cooking I learned the construction so this is just what it is you know <laughs> And so I'm really sad for him, but um, but the thing is, my dad, just like you, he would support my mom at home. He would cook as often as he needed to cook. He would, you know, clean the dishes. I remember he, <laughs> I had really long hair as a kid, so he would try washing my hair sometimes, and I would laugh about him because he, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not that this he yeah and he had like this big hands. He is like this big teddy bear type of guy, and so cute, but he would try to wash my hair and then try it. and we would sit there, and I couldn't stop giggling because of how he tried to wash my hair. But I loved it. And he's just like, you know, he's the best person out there, I gotta say, like no offense to anyone, but he just is
2: hopefully, as soon as it's good to fly out there, you make it and um, Celebrate with them and enjoy all the time you can.
1: Amen. You know, I I have no particular religion, if I may say that, but I have as much faith as you do. And I know it's done and dusted. As soon one plane is going to fly me out, I'm sitting <laughs> on there. <laughs> Probably I'm going to be the pilot. I'm not sure if they let <laughs> me, but <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so yeah, and I agree with your wife. Like she, like as she said it, you're gonna just trust that it's gonna happening. And I know it. Like I see myself already sitting there. I have non-alcoholic beer because I don't drink alcohol anymore.
2: And We're the same. Dad, but I've never drank alcohol. Never touched it in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did touch it too often, but I stopped it nine years ago. And but but I have, you know, always non-alcoholic beer, so my dad doesn't feel too much of a non german daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so I have beer that is non-alcoholic so we can cheer it on him. And um, yeah, there you go. it will happen. All right. So we're about to wrap up. I have two more questions for you. You ready? Go ahead. Cool. Tell me what efficiency means to you.
2: Efficiency is improvement Is doing the best that you can be, doing the best that you can do, in any situation, you know, always pushing for the best result by providing the best action, doing the best that you can in every situation.
1: I love that. And the next question actually applies to you in some way or another. Most of my guests, they're like, oh wow, what a hot question. So I'm really excited to hear it from you. So if you push the reset button, which was done for you already, which of the three things would you do over and over again to get back to success?
2: Which of the three things would I do over and over again? Try. I mean, even trying new things you learn and and whatnot from them. Other three things, other two things. Always show the best effort in everything that you do. You know, give it. Your full energy, your full everything, commit to it, and then I would probably stick to doing the best for other people. You know, always helping people out, doing everything in your power to you know make people survive, make people succeed, grow with them as people, do everything in the best ability that you can to help people overall.
1: Wow, Mohammed, but that awesome. is an
2: awesome story. I actually, yeah, I mean, that's an awesome question.
1: Sure. Thank you so much. Mohamed and Noor also, thank you so much for your time and sharing all of these, also hard insights with us. It was amazing to have you on the show. Please share with all of our audience and listeners where they can find you and what they can find there.
2: Where they can find us?
1: Yeah. Like just the website or Instagram, whatever you want to share.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can find our company at q1es.com. You can find my wife. Oh, she's really big on LinkedIn, and I mean not LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And hopefully, she can continue to grow that method. her Her name is Catastrophic Cook. C A T A S T R O P H I C Cook. You can learn a lot of food from her, a lot of desserts, a lot of cool stories, even you Arabic know
1: Arabic food,
2: <laughs> Arabic food, and everything. Yes, of course. <laughs> Yes. You gotta you gotta follow her and comment oh. on it when you like her so much.
1: Oh you better really
2: appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> now but, I just need God. to find
1: someone to make this food for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She'll teach you step-by-step. You'll have step-by-step videos.
1: You ain't gonna get me a cook. I'll build your house, but I'm not gonna cook, believe me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my <God. laughs>
1: Oh my amazing. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure and you're such an amazing guy and Nora is such an amazing woman, really. I had such an amazing time with you. And if I can do anything for you to support you, please let me know.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're really, really deep to us. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at TheMoniqueLindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.